This is Talk Freight. Talk Freight. And this is Craig Bliss. What's up, everyone? It's Craig. Just give me a few seconds here. I'm just getting, um, you know, all the uh, videos shared out to the masses here of the good old social media. I was going to start with my typical countdown or my screen. But I thought, hey, let me just uh, pop this on real quick. We are sharing it to my page, the Craig Bliss page. And I'm going to go share it over in my group, Freight Brokers and Truck Drivers, um, to get that all taken care of there. Just give me one second here. Just while I get it all shared out, I didn't do much, um, you know, post or broadcasting of this of this share tonight, to be honest. Uh, so we're gonna see how it goes. I'm just doing it right now as we speak. One moment here. Okay, we're gonna start up in my group, the freight brokers and truck drivers. Usually I do all this, you know, all this stuff behind the scenes, but um, we're doing it out. Awesome. We're just getting started. Yeah, I feel like uh, now I hear myself. Okay, okay. Let me turn myself down here. Okay, cool. At least my sound's working. I feel like every other time I do a video, uh, my sound doesn't work, you know, like right off the bat. It's um, it's tweaking out, but not today. Today, we are golden. I'm just sharing it. Today, we are golden. And so today, I want to talk about um, tips for drivers when it comes to freight broker. Or it can be, you know, tips for anybody want to become a freight broker. But in this particular video, I want to give more love to my driver friends. Um, and so that's why I said we're going to do tips for, um, you know, drivers who want to become a freight broker. Or at the very least, drivers who are learning to, you know, become a broker in the year 2020. Okay, we're good to go now. I got that all shared. Sorry about that. Uh, it is Craig. Today is Make More Money Monday, sponsored by truckstop.com. We are almost the to the end of the first month of the new year, 2020. Uh, yeah, that's about that. Um, you know, it's very exciting. I feel like 2020 has already came and gone. Excuse me for the month. January has already came and gone. Um, real quick, I'm noticing this logo is like massive. I'm just now seeing that. Not sure why. I'll get that figured out by next time. Hopefully it doesn't uh, disrupt your viewing, you know, there. But that's that. What did everybody do this weekend? I actually just got back from Vegas last night. So I'm kind of, um, I'm here, but I'm not here. You know what I'm saying? I had to deal with taxes today. How to start doing the taxes because I'm getting very late on that. I know there's an extension, but I don't do all that. Um, trying to deal with taxes, you know, the day after the night after coming home from Vegas is not the best thing in the world. Full of frustration, full of nonsense. It just makes me think this stuff is pointless but I understand it's needed. <laughs> and so I didn't win crap in Vegas. I didn't go there expecting to win anything. However, when you're throwing money into these damn machines, you think it's going to spit some money out, but that's just not how it works, I suppose. I don't even gamble. Usually I'm just more like seeing shows and crap, but I didn't even do that. You know, um, a whole bunch of friends from Illinois and friends from here in Arizona, we all met up in Vegas, got a decent, you know, decent room. If you follow my stories, you've probably seen that nice ass room we got. Uh, full of the bells and whistles. So that just made the experience, you know, everything else, um, you know, all that. I played some horses, <laughs> the off-track betting, those dumb horses. I mean, they cheat. I'm telling you what, it's uh, it wasn't good. But, you know, I was there, obviously, during the UFC fight. Um, it was definitely a madhouse, I mean, for 40 seconds. Um, you'd think you get more of a show, but nonetheless, it was still a great time. 
you know, of course, everywhere in their mothers in Vegas charge even see a glimpse of the fight. But the energy was also in Vegas. I hope, you know, if you guys haven't been to Vegas for some odd reason, you guys will go because it is fun. Um, yeah, or at least had a great weekend. I didn't go see my buddy Wayne Campbell. He lives in Vegas. You know, I got there and he already left for some, you know, on the road with Wayne Campbell videos. So that'd be exciting to see from there. But nonetheless, that was my weekend. I hope you guys had a better weekend than I did. At least want some money or make some money. But like I said, today we are starting with, um, and I do want to mention, I don't see the comments. So if you guys are making comments, I apologize. I would try to log in every once in a while and take a look at them. It's just watching my face is weird as I talk. And so I'm going to try to pull them up. But if there's a delay, that is why. <laughs> but today, enough with all that. Again, on this Make More Money Monday, sponsored by truckstop.com. We're going to talk about tips for drivers to become brokers or tips for drivers if they're thinking they want to become a freight broker or freight agent. You know, uh, starting up, you know, especially in this new year, everybody's trying to start out something new. And so this is kind of a perfect time to do it. You know, I hope being the end of January, you are either finalizing a resolution list or getting ready to start it if you haven't. And so to my driver friends today, you know, I get a lot of message from y'all. <clears throat> Not only that, but freight agents as well. But mainly a lot of drivers saying they want to learn how to broker or at least jump into it, but they're scared to do it or scared to get out of the driver's seat because they don't want to be scammed by these, you know, $99 learn how to freight broker in a day type courses, which is very fair. And I definitely realize that. But I often tell these drivers, you know, one thing you're not realizing is you already have a lot of this experience that these fake freight agent training programs teach you. And so that's the thing. And I believe, you know, a lot of drivers don't actually become a broker or don't pursue their training on freight agent or freight broker training because they just get discouraged. You know, they think that they're, they don't have the knowledge. They think they don't have the experience and they just don't do it. So if in 2021, of your goals is to become a broker, or at least learn how to do it to make a better informed decision to know what you want to do, or at least to help put your thoughts together, this video is from you. Um, and like I said, it's mainly because drivers often say, you know, I want to become a broker without realizing uh, they may just want to become a freight agent. I don't want to say dispatchers. You know, my feeling was dispatchers. I'm all for it in some cases. I definitely don't want to get into that conversation. But even though I could have made this video tips for drivers to dispatch, we're going to call it freight agent here. Okay. And you know, if you don't know, freight brokering and freight agent is totally, it's the same, but it's different. And basic terms, a freight broker, you know, they hold the authority um, they essentially hold the responsibility, if you will, while the agent or the freight agent works under that brokerage, you know, for their commission or for a salary, what have you. And if you're not experienced, I definitely highly suggest going, you know, the latter route, if you will, which is becoming a freight agent. And I'm going to tell you why throughout this video, but do not let anybody persuade you or I'm um, encourage you to apply for a brokerage authority and pay for a bond if you don't have experience, it doesn't make sense. However, a lot of people, especially these training programs, they push it because that's how they make their money at the end. When you sign up for these, you know, systems, authorities, insurances, all that, that's how they make their money. But I'm here to tell you become an agent first without a brokerage. And now one of the major benefits of working under the brokerage as an agent is not being responsible for all the, you know, software systems, payroll, the overhead in most cases, you know, some age, some brokerages will charge the agent, but it's very little if it is, but regardless, in that case, you have a lot more time to go after customers, um, even have a lot more resources to go after large accounts, which you probably wouldn't have if you were just starting out as a broker without experience. And this is how you make money. But 
the first part of making money or going up to after becoming an agent, you have to understand what you want. And now this kind of includes, you know, the freight or the customers you want to move or deal with. And this also goes with my video I did a couple months ago about finding your niche or niche, however they say that. But you have to start with understanding what you want. You know, if you're a flatbed driver, you know, you probably want to go out there and start hauling reefer freight, you know, blind. Uh, flatbed's already bread and butter. You know, if you go after something else, you'd probably be overwhelmed thinking of the thousand different shippers out there. Instead, just focus on the shippers who use flatbed equipment. And, you know, you will see that that list that was once large and overwhelming has instantly shrunk. With flatbed, you probably go after, you know, the building type materials. I know here in Arizona and Phoenix in particular, we have like Arizona stone. There's a whole bunch of flatbeds always parked out there. I'm sure they have people, but that's just an example. There's lumber, there's steel. Uh, I know I used to do stuff for Menards and Lowe's. They're easy to get RFQs from, just going to be honest. So if you guys are interested in that type of freight, that's an easy one you can go out to, you know, go after as a broker and as a driver. And I, I know there's definitely a lot more, but those are basically the main ones. I'm only using flatbed as an example. Um, you guys probably heard me say, I don't know anything about flatbed. That's one thing I want to learn. I've asked um, some members <laughs> in my group to actually teach me because I don't know the terminology. So we're just, you know, using it for that. But it goes with this. You have to understand what you want before starting, not when you started, but before starting, because I'm sure we all heard that saying, you know, jack of all trades, master of none or whatever. But in trucking or in logistics and freight, I think it's best to be a jack of all trades, but a master of at least one. Okay. And this is what I was talking about, understanding what you want. Because if you're a flatbed, go after flatbed stuff. You want to go after the reefer crap. You know, if you're a master in a field, you instantly become more marketable or your services become more marketable or more attracted to, you know, shippers for the simple reason that you have more experience or is perceived that you have more experience in that field. And now going back again, starting in the beginning, understanding what you want. Oftentimes, here's what I see. And, you know, if some of y'all went through and got a brokerage authority blindly, put the cart in front of the horse, I'm definitely not talking bad, you know, down to you. I'm here to try to help you. And that's, um, and that's why I want to bring it up. But understanding what you want before you start will save you a lot of time, a lot of headache, because here's what happens. A lot of people often get a brokerage authority or they get access to an agency by signing up as a freight agent. On day one, they stare at their screen. They're like, all right, now what? You know, I see these people on Facebook. They have loads. You know, I see people looking for trucks. They have trucks. How do I get there? How do I put these pieces together? You know what I'm saying? But if you're, if you're starting out with flatbed and you go after building materials, well, your list went from this to about this. Now you just have to worry about how to find those contacts or how to find contacts within those shipping facilities to get introduced to them and hopefully, or in the best case scenario, get signed up with them um, to at least haul freight, okay? And now how to find contacts. We can call that number two, how to find contacts. Back in the day when I drove Sprinters like five or six years ago, I was certain, I mean, I was persuaded myself that there were some magical load boards that brokers use to find shippers. Mind you, I drove sprinters three years after you know working on the broker side. I swore there was a load board that these megas used, um, or that these uh, brokerages used to find shippers off the load board. I swore they were there. They weren't there uh, for sprinters and straight trucks. If you guys use that, you know, select this. But in my case, I was looking for a board that did not have brokers on it. Okay. You know, I thought Walmart, Tate and Lyle, Target, you know, even Lowe's, they all had this board. They throw up there like a Craigslist type board. You know, truck drivers went to it, bid it on it, and that was it. <laughs> you 
years later, I figured out the hard way that is not how it works. And you actually had to go out there, you know, work on it. You know, sure. We have like truck stop, DAT, trucker tools, you know, all that, that have direct shippers every now and again, but there's literally no board out there that I know of that you can just sign up, pay a little monthly fee for drivers to scan a list of all the Walmarts and all the targets and all the Tate and Lyles and ADMs, what have you, you know, throwing loads out there. It doesn't happen that way. And now I find it, you know, a little funny, but also a little uh, scary when to this day, we're talking about years later, over five years later, I still see drivers, you know, asking me questions in my messenger or even in the comments in the group saying, hey, Craig, what's the board that you use to find shippers as a broker? <laughs> I would say, you know, those boards don't really exist or at least they don't exist in the ways you think. And so, but hope is not lost. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why you don't need a magical low board to find these shippers that you think are only living on these low boards. Okay. Uh, if you're a current driver, this is why I'm saying it's for drivers. If you're a current driver, current dispatcher, you know, a carrier fleet manager, all that, there are some great news here. And that great news is that data, okay? It's all that old paperwork, you know, your BOLs, uh, proof of deliveries, you know, rate confirmations, past emails even, um, even past RFQs that you use maybe through a brokerage even. Business card from shippers, names of dock workers, all that is gold. I know a lot of y'all drivers, when you guys get to a shipper or get to a receiver, you make it a point to introduce yourself to that dock worker. Don't know if you omit it to your broker, but I know a lot of you guys make it a point to introduce you, introduce your services um, to that shipper, kind of putting a name to the face, if you will. And that's not a bad thing, especially if you want to start brokering freight or work on the logistics brokering side, because again, all that data is gold. And now if you're not too familiar with data, I know I talk about it a lot and I understand not everybody knows about it. Data can be as simple as just emails or phone numbers. Um, it could be pricing. It could be lanes. It could be absolutely anything that's just data, but just know it's worth more than gold. And I don't say that lightly. So hopefully you didn't throw all that crap out because those, my friends, is the home of all your new shipper friends that you're probably going to find first in the industry. So you have to use that, you know, use that your advantage. One thing that I would do, I should have brought some up to show some old ones, uh, but look at the names, you know, look at the phone numbers, look at the email addresses. All you're doing is looking at the, you know, information, any information, that could help you getting in contact with the company who has that freight. And now I am not saying back solicit your broker. I want to make that very clear because I do not condone that. You know, it's very frustrating, you know, working at brokerage when drivers will back solicit. Typically, if a brokerage set up with a shipper, the shipper will call that brokerage and say, Hey, your driver's telling me that you charge me a thousand dollars more, fix our rate, or we're dropping you. That's essentially how it goes. It's not, you know start moving everything under that truck driver. That's not how it goes. So I just want to say, don't think about back soliciting your, uh, you know, your shipper. If you're confused on the limitations, just refer back to your broker carrier contract and somewhere in very fine English, it will say, you know, you cannot contact the shipper for up to three months after moving load or a year or six months, something like that. And now also being said, when you're calling these shippers, let's say you pull out, you know, a POD and it shows shipper, shipper contact name, shipper contact email, shipper contact phone number, uh, which is going to say, I want to call them and say, you know, uh, Jim Bob on March 18th, uh, 2017, I hauled a load of glass bottles. You know, I probably want to start off with that. I would probably do something like, Hey Jim Bob, you know, um, last year or the year before we hauled 
you know, some loads for you. We're definitely still strong in that area. We're looking to see how we continue our relationship in the new year. Of course, you know, we're better than what I just did, but you get the point, you know, as you're going through all these contracts. Um, yeah, that's just it. You know, the rate cons, past emails, et cetera. And what you're going to do is with this data, the data doesn't mean anything unless it's organized. Okay. So what you need to do is take a little piece of paper like this. I'm constantly writing notes everywhere. Take a little piece of paper like that and start writing down shippers who align with what you want. Okay. The first part of this, I started with, you have to understand what you want before you can even start deciding if you want to if you want to become a broker. So make a list with your thousands and thousands of BOLs, PODs, past emails, all that jazz. Make a list of the shippers or the commodity type that you want to go after and use that to your advantage. Yeah, Andrew, I, I look at the context now. Uh, he put, I'm not saying back solicit your broker, but I'm going to teach you how. Yes, I am going to teach you how to do it because in every single broker carrier contract, the, the language that's put back solicitating a shipper, there's always an expiration date. Sometimes a month, three months, six months, or a year. No broker has a distinct advantage to that shipper than anyone else in the industry. And so brokers can argue, you know, we wasted our time or we spent time finding that brokerage, you know, or finding that shipper, not for the driver to take advantage of back solicit. And I'm all for that. But like I said, there is an expiration clause in that language that says when a driver can contact that shipper do what you want with the information but as i say drivers they sit on more gold than anybody else in this industry and they definitely have more paperwork than anybody i know in this industry with raycons pod's all that so they can definitely just call up and that's your goal but like i said refer to your broker carrier contract and refer to the language that says when you are legally able to make contact with that vendor that's just how it is so appreciate the comment, Andrew. Morel, I see it. Jamie, thank you. Uh, that's just how it is. Kind of got me off a little thing, but I said you have to make a list, figure out the people, the company, the commodity type, all that jazz. Do research on them, find out who they are, what they do, and how you can help them. And now that last part is very important, how you can help them. Because remember, shippers look for people who can help them, okay? And now I'm saying that because you will not believe how many new agents or new brokers you know, the first question to a, or the first statement to a shipper is like, Hey, Mr. Shipper, you know, my name is Craig. I just opened up, or I'm a representative of ABC brokerage. Uh, we can help you. Or, um, how can you help us? We can haul all your freight. That doesn't help a shipper because as I mentioned all the time, they have more brokers calling, banging down their doors before 8 30 AM than anybody else. Okay. So you have to really research them to say how you can help them, what you can help them with. Going back to my find a niche video or find a niche video, I talked about lanes. If you're Walmart and you know, Walmart's not a good one, but we're just using that one. If you have a Walmart in St. Louis going to Indianapolis and you just happen to have trucks going back and forth there, research them to find out where those locations are so you can use that information when you're negotiating. That's just it. It's if you call them and say, I want to move your freight, I'm a broker. They're going to say, yeah, you and the 10 other people who left me a voicemail this morning. Instead, call and say, I know you guys open a location there on the you know east side of Indy. I happen to have trucks go there, you know, weekly from the St. Louis area. Let's see what we can match up. That's going to hold a lot stronger than just saying, "How can you help me?" Essentially, because whatever you say beyond that is what that's meaning there. But enough with all that. And now, again, since this video is for drivers wanting or tips for drivers wanting to broker, now if you're no longer going to drive, 
you need to start calling your friends. Okay. Because just as all drivers or other drivers talk about brokers only using low boards, it's the same thing for you. And so the advantage you have as a driver or a former driver going into brokering, you probably have a lot more truck driver friends and a lot of brokers in this industry. And so if you're planning to start brokering, you need to pull out those old contacts, go through, you know, go through your phone, see what drivers, you know, where they're at, what they do. Okay. And you need to use this to your advantage. If you call your brother, Joe, or your friend, Bob, and he says, you know, I have six trucks in, um, you know, Tennessee every week on a weekly basis, I'm looking for some good loads. The first thing I would do, if it fits what I want to do in my brokerage, I'm probably going to start calling all the shippers around, you know, Tennessee or that location where that driver's saying that's along the lines of a dispatch agent. So I don't want to go too much into that, but that's essentially what you can do. And now a lot of drivers say, you know, when brokering started, this is what drivers did. I excuse me, this is what brokers did. They booked freight on a, you know, with the driver, right when that driver is empty, they were rebooking them with another backhaul. I was never in the industry. I've only been around 10 years, 10 years ago. We definitely were not doing it that much at mega brokerages. Definitely don't take away. That's how it, how it used to be. But I'm saying maybe introduce that model. If you're a driver going back into brokering, at least when you're starting out, don't be afraid to tell your driver friends that you're starting out as an agent or starting out, you know, on the broker side. I know a lot of people talk down about brokers down to freight agents, but in a professional conversation, you can see. A lot of drivers are looking to work with good brokers. Okay. Same thing with brokers. A lot of brokers are looking to work with good carriers and these Facebook groups. You see a lot of shenanigans. You see a lot of people is just tit for tat. That's just how it is. But in a professional atmosphere, people are, you know, wanting to work with brokers, people are wanting to work with owner operators, small fleets, whatever our carriers. So all I'm saying is basically don't be afraid. It's once you understand what you want to do, what you want to move, you need to start finding contacts. The first part, the first place that I will start is my old contacts, my old, you know, bill of ladings, PODs, old email chains, you know, old RFQs, all that jazz. I will first find out if I can legally contact them. And then I'll make a decision if I want to contact that vendor or not. The third part is calling your friends or making, which that means basically just making a list of carriers because in this basically market, you don't just go into a brokerage or start a brokerage or start up as an agent for a brokerage without also having current carrier relationships. And now a lot of brokers are saying, no, I have a low board. Well, that's the issue. Okay. All these transactional one-time use, you know, this one time using an agent or using a bro <laughs> using a carrier. That's the issue that I see that brokers have. Okay. And that's a huge issue in the industry that I see because Back when I started, you had to kind of know your carriers. You had to kind of keep in contact with your drivers and all that. Now it's, you talk to a broker and they don't even know really who they book loads with because they don't even talk to them. Okay. So you, my third major tip, call your friends, make a list, start building your book of carriers or truck driver friends. You truck drivers are the most engaged people I see in my group, especially freight brokers and truck drivers. Not only that the most interactive group of people on Facebook, not so much brokers, but you truck drivers, you guys talk a lot. Use that to your advantage. If you want to become a broker, because use your past experiences to tell, you know, drivers and tell carriers how you're going to help them. So they don't face those same things. It helps people. So like I said, don't be afraid, go after it and just go through it. And now the final part is basically putting it all together because you're right. Um, 
you know, if a driver is wanting to become a broker, as I said in the beginning, usually they're persuaded to open up their brokerage, but that is not the best way to do it. And I know there's a lot of arguments with it because some people say I've been in sales for 20 years. I just started driving trucks. I'm confident I can start a brokerage. Go do it. This is mainly for the people who are a driver or who has a ton of, you know, driving experience who wants to learn about brokering freight, not necessarily to open up a brokerage. There's a huge difference there, people. Okay. It's, uh, as I said, a lot of people often think they want a broker when in fact, they just want to become a freight agent. There's no clear line of the definition. And so a lot of people don't, or they misinterpret the definition. But to me, if you're looking to get out of the driver's seat, start brokering freight or become an agent, that's what I suggest becoming an agent. And now there's a ton of agencies out there that can help you. Um, there's also a lot of bad ones. If you're new to this industry, I'll probably stick to, or new to the brokering side, I'll probably stick to a more bigger name, if you will, a mega in the industry and kind of steer clear from the little, you know, first year brokerages, nothing gets a first year brokerages whatsoever. It's just, if you're new and they're also new, you're probably not going to get what you want or what you're looking for. And so putting it all together, start your research, start figuring out what you want to do, organizing your thoughts, looking through old contacts, and then just essentially getting set up with an agency. Those are the only steps. And now if you were to start your own brokerage, there's going to be about 25 steps in between there. Not that many, but just about because you would need to apply for authority. Once you get that, go get your bond, get your insurance, get your systems and place, you know, get a building. If you don't have it, the emails, the list goes on and on. And, you know, doing it that way, you'll go out and you will start finding, um, you know, customers. And so basically on day one, if you open a brokerage, you're paying money as you're trying to make money. Okay. If you sign up under an agency and I do not have an agency, I suggest. So if you ask me, I just don't know because I don't keep up with them. But if you start at an agency, well, they take care of all that nonsense for you. They're paying for your systems, you know, normally, uh, you know, your systems, your setups, the customer setup, even a lot of times with the carrier claims and all that jazz, they do a lot of the stuff for you. So you can just sit back, go after all these customers because you're going to find out the first month or first three, six months, even of becoming a broker. It sucks especially with, you know, someone being experienced, especially with, you know, even with someone having experience or contacts already in the uh, brokerage side, it still sucks, you know, starting out, especially if you're just on a commission split, either a 50, 50 or 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever. Uh, it still takes time to make that money. Okay. And that's why I always say, you know, for the driver to ask me, Craig, I'm a driver now. And the next six months I'm looking to become a broker. What do you say? I say, take this time in between these next six months, look up agencies, look up customers you want to contact, figure out, you know, what freight you want to move. And then on that six month mark, determine if you're going to go out and become a freight agent. That's what I suggest because it's, unless you have, you know, huge, like a big bug or budget or lease investors, I definitely say, you know, stay away from opening up brokerage. If you want to broker freight, because you can simply become an agent. Not only that, I think it's more, you know, more popular, like was Mercer, uh, and Landstar, I know everybody hates Landstar. There's another one, tip of my tongue, can't think of it. Great wide. I think they have a couple names under their umbrella. A lot of those guys or a lot of those women who are agents, they're actually also drivers, or maybe it's their husband or wife who drives and you know, the opposite, you know, books freight. There's actually a Landstar agency. I'm not going to bring it up, but they are in our group. Um, it's a lady who's in our group, but her husband's a driver. She basically signed that passenger seat. She realized that she has a lot of data and information that she can use to her advantage. So she started an agency. 
Now her agency books all the loads for her husband and plus a whole bunch of other people. But now their little agency is profitable. <laughs> it's uh, I find it funny because it's uh, someone they thought they couldn't do it. They went out and did it. And now look at them. They're a little agency, not only take care of their husband or her husband's truck, but also friends that they signed up under them as well. I think it's great. And now I do see your question, Tony, Antonia. Sorry if I'm saying that wrong. It says, I'm currently working for a large flatbed carrier. I just applied for my carrier broker authority. Do employees usually have a non-compete against soliciting shippers they hauled for? And now these questions on the Facebook, they don't pop up on the system here. But he asks, I'm currently working for a large flatbed carrier. I just applied for a carrier slash broker authority. Do employees usually have a non-compete against soliciting shippers they hauled for? Um, if you're still with us, my first question is, so you work for a large flatbed carrier. Did you apply for a carrier and a brokerage authority under the same entity? If so, because you know, you're not, you won't get, you won't get a dual authority more is what I'm trying to say. So I'm not exactly sure if you did it separately, but yes, typically, usually 150% of the time employees do. Okay. Employees do have a non-compete against soliciting shippers because uh, what I was talking about earlier, remember I kept saying, refer to your broker carrier contract to read the language that spells out when you are able to legally contact that vendor that you were introduced to by that broker, uh, 1MC, okay? And so in that case, Antonio, Antonio, you don't go after those shippers. I'm telling you, you probably do have a non-compete. Um, if you didn't sign anything, you probably don't, but just be prepared for a conversation. A lot of people try to leave, you know, freight tech companies or large brokerages, or in this case, I guess, carriers start up their own brokerage and hopes they can just flip through their iPhone and start calling all those people. That's not how it works. <laughs> and you're going to find out real quick that all those people are going to call your old manager and be like, Hey, did you know, um, Craig is calling me about freight. I didn't know he left and has his own authority. That's when things start getting a little bit weird because they will sue. If they're big, they will sue. That's typically how it is. But nonetheless, always refer to your signed contracts. I know every situation is different. I know a lot of brokerages don't even do non-competes anymore. In your case, being a large flatbed carrier, I bet you they do have non-competes. And if you leave and contact people that you contacted or you know, was a liaison for, if you will, while at that carrier, it probably will be a big deal because you know we'll get back to your old job and they may say something. But nonetheless, still you, you can still use your experience at that large flatbed carrier for your own operation. So if you're starting a carrier and or brokerage or both, you can definitely still use your old contacts, even you know knowledge there, um, experience at the new place. But again, be careful who you contact, you know, right when starting out the gate. And so what I'm meaning by is you can still use your experience and your contacts. Now it's like this. People who work at shippers and the brokerages, they're just represent, you know, rep, I can't even say it. They're just people who represent that company, if you will. Okay. They often have, you know, other contacts that you can use. Okay. Not all, bro for example, I'm going to give you an example for mine. I once worked at a brokerage. I brought in a contact or an account that I thought would be great. That broker says, eh, not our bread and butter, not our bread and butter. We rather not use it. So that moment, I just lost a customer, okay? Now, I could have passed that customer or that lead on to somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? And so by keeping in contact, by networking with other people in the industry, you never know what pieces of information or what, or, you know, what benefits or positives you can find. 
You never know what you can, you know, hear within a nonchalant conversation. I'm going to bring up Ron Hummel. Ron Hummel is the owner of Trucking Planet. I believe it's truckingplanet.co. I don't want to be wrong there, but he just posted a couple times in the group Freight Brokers Truck Drivers today saying he was getting a haircut. He mentioned at a $7.99 place. So I'm I'm assuming he's meaning to say that you can find leads anywhere. But he posted saying that he was getting a haircut when a dude sitting next to him was talking about shipping. So he started talking about shipping. The guy turned to him and was like, Hey Ron, can you take over this account from you know somewhere going into Florida? He said, No, because I don't broker anymore, but I know someone who can. Use that to your advantage, okay? That would have never happened if Ron Hummel didn't network with other people. Be like Ron Hummel. <laughs> and I also posted right on that, not this time in Vegas. Last year when I was in Vegas, very similar situation on this year in Vegas. I was sitting there at a table, me and my old business partner there, you know, having fun. All of a sudden, the lady and the guy next to us, a couple, we started talking. They end up being a large shipper out of Canada. Who knew? I don't even know who brought up that conversation because I typically don't talk about freight, you know, in Vegas, but I don't know who brought the conversation, but it was brought up, but it turned out they were a large, you know, facility there in Canada. I wasn't, you know, representing anybody at that time to get set up with them, but I was able to pass their information too. Not exactly sure what happened with that, but you know, that just shows when you network with people, you never know what you can find out. When you network with past relationships with people at old jobs or old shippers, receivers, what have you. You never know if they have information that can help you, okay? It's not stealing. It's not walking on each other's toes. It's they're saying or they're acknowledging, hey, you know, this does not work for me. I think it worked for your operation. Here we go. Boom, just like that. That's why I started doing that list. I'm um, kind of enough with that. Um, I think I have everything on my notes. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, we're good. I just wanted in with that because, you know, in the group, I used to have a uh, sheet where you could type in your email address and be connected with, you know, if you're a carrier, get connected with other brokers or with shippers or sh shippers looking for direct carriers, you know, I'll give them some truck driver friends. As the group got large, that's gotten away from me. Okay. It's, it took a lot of time, like uh, getting people's name, their numbers or email address, where they, where they are and what they want and kind of matching the people with them. It's, it's hard for me to do that, so I don't do it too much. I'm looking to start doing it again at the end of the year, maybe when I get an extra person or two to kind of help me with that. But the whole point is this. There's a lot of people in these Facebook groups. I preach it like Joel Olstein almost every week, but there's a lot of shipper decision makers, brokers, truck drivers, freight tech people, entrepreneurs, freight logistics media players, a whole bunch of people in the logistics, play, in the logistics space in these Facebook groups. You just never know who you are communicating with in a comment, in a post, in a message, or whatever. So I, I'm saying it like this. When you're communicating or when you're interacting with other people on social media on social media groups or other social platforms like YouTube or whatever, be respectful and be kind, but ask for what you want. Okay. And I actually got that tip from Craig Fuller from Brightwaves. He mentioned um, in numerous podcasts, always ask what you want because you never know if you're going to get it. And of course, he said it probably a lot better words than I just, just did, but that's the gist of it. And now I'm saying that is because of this. There's a lot of people that I look up to, respect, especially my group, freight brokers and truck drivers. But some sometimes they say some sideways things, okay? I would never hold it against them just as I hope people don't hold my personal opinions or beliefs against me. However, I fear what other people think about those. Okay. It's oftentimes when people go sideways in these groups or they start talking out of the side of their neck or start going off an emotional tangent against other people 
or maybe their race or an individual, people notice, even if they're not liking that comment or putting a, you know, thumbs down on it or messaging you, you know, asking what's your reasoning for your stupidity, people are still noticing the way you interact with other professionals and these Facebook groups. If you're struggling in your operations, if you're a truck driver struggling to build a relationship with brokers or shippers, or you're a broker struggling to maintain or build a relationship with carriers, or a shipper struggling to connect, build a relationship with carriers, you need to start looking at yourself, okay? And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying look at everything about yourself. Look out how you read people's comments and posts. Look how you respond to them. Look how you help others because I'm telling you what, you want to believe how many people message me and saying, Hey, I was going to use him, the guy that you told me, but I don't like the way he's posting. Nothing against you. Nothing gets him. I'm sure he's a great vendor for you, but I don't want to use him. I hate when I get that. Okay. Because, you know, I look at people for who they are and what I see them as, you know, in that moment, I guess I don't judge them on their whole past story. And so I absolutely hate when people say they just seen how someone comment or post them. They're no longer going to use them. Maybe start thinking about that when you're interacting in Facebook groups or in you know any social media platform. Because again, you don't know who is lurking in these groups or who may use you or who may call you or who you may call when you're searching for that next load. Hopefully, if you guys are like that, you guys don't interact with none of these shippers or these larger brokers you know, when you're trying to get set up with them. Again, it's not only truck drivers, a lot of brokers, a lot of agents, a lot of people know position in the industry, but just watch what you say. And as I always say, till next time, say no to cheap freight, remain professional, and let's make more money. And Steve Oatley, this one's for you. I don't have a color either, and I can still do it. See you next Monday.